Welcome to 24 Karat Conversations with Phyllis and Rhonda, where two best friends decided to start a podcast on real women, real friendships, and real issues. Our mission Bible verse is Job 23.10. Yet he knows the way I have taken, and when he has tested me, I will emerge as pure gold. We want to encourage, inspire, and offer hope in a world where life can seem to be unrealistic. Be a support for you to cheer you on as a wife, mother, daughter, sister, and friend. Most of all, you get to relax and laugh with us about all things women. Plus, we like all things sparkly. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Hello, 24 Carat Tribe. We are so hey, excited. <laughs> okay, I have to admit, I'm a little bit fangirling. I'm not going to lie. <laughs> Because we have the wonderful... There's good reason to. We have the wonderful Tanya Godsey on today. She is a singer, songwriter, minister, worship leader, storyteller. I could go on and on and on. She is um, from Nashville, Tennessee, and we asked her to come on here today to share not only her story, but the amazing things that she is doing through um, something called Redeeming Story Retreats, which we are going Mm -hmm. to discuss. So welcome, Tanya. I feel so honored to be here. So excited. Oh, we are too. We are super excited. So we want to ask you first off, like, tell us a little bit about your background, your history, your story. So I was born and raised in Texas. Um, I'm a PK, (laughs) which Mm -hmm. there's a lot that that that, um, title holds, but Mm -hmm. I actually grew up in a um, Mexican-American immigrant church um, Mm -hmm. in a really small rural town of Texas. And I like to tell people that um, I grew up with the the blue collar Jesus. Does that make sense? Yeah. Like the Jesus that um, fed the hungry and clothed mm-hmm. um, the needy, visited the sick. It just was a very outward expression of the gospel. Mm-hmm. And so... Um, it was more than a Sunday school lesson. It was an expression that, that we lived with, with our lives. Um, my dad as the pastor, um, just really led and shepherded the people that I grew up with towards generosity. Mm -hmm. And, um, and that was a way of sort of unifying us as a community. It was our need that unified us. Um, do you have, do you have money this month for, for food? You know, do you have, um, do you have what you need to pay your bills this month? And I, f- I find that, um, transitioning into a more middle-class America, mm-hmm. you know, version of the gospel as I've gotten older, we still have needs, right? Yeah. <laughs> but we don't have the outward expression as much, right? And so our interdependence mm-hmm. as believers we have to dig a little bit for that. We have Mm -hmm. to ask good questions and we have to sort of be up in each other's business. But the way that I grew up, the need was so great that it unified us and it, um, there was just a beautiful interdependence. So I feel like it almost handicapped me. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. Like, because it was such a gorgeous, real expression of Jesus that how could anything... (laughs) (laughs) Right. <laughs> How could anything ever compare with it, right? right. Um, I find that the more uh, the more I got into the world after I grew up in that, that was sort of my origin story. Mm-hmm. After I left that origin story and I grew up and grew out into 
I can do it myself. I've got a college degree. Mm-hmm. I'm successful that I lost something in that. Mm-hmm. I lost the beautiful interdependence that God intended for the body of Christ. So I grew up in a dream, <laughs> a dream scenario um, in a sense, because I just, uh, I had wonderful roots in who Jesus was. And what he really looked like in the world, what the activity of God really looked like in the world. Um, Not, not just a club, not just a social, you know, commitment once a week on a Sunday, but really that Jesus came to to do good things in the world and to, um, that God is kind and loving towards Mm -hmm. everyone and all that he has made. So that's kind of. My faith background, um, I moved to Tennessee when I was 21. Can you imagine? I knew no one one here. Um, But um, Why Tennessee? So a a song that I wrote um, won an award that the Academy of Gospel Music, they had put on this this event and it, it, it won in its category. And from that, the judges invited me up here to develop me as an artist. And I had no idea that I had anything. Mm -hmm. I, I think that was the first song that I had ever written. (laughs) And, um, that's, they invited me up here. And so, you know, as a, as a Latin daughter, you don't leave. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. Unless you're getting married. Where are you going? Yeah. (laughs) So the whole church like threw me this party. There was a big money tree. (laughs) Of course there was. (laughs) Yeah. It was it was like a wedding. (laughs) Yeah, it was like a wedding. And everyone cried and it was like, you know, she's leaving and it was a thing. Um, because that's not what we did, you know, in that community. Like you were you were bonded for life. And I still feel that way about that. I'm bonded to them for life. But um, came here, they developed me as an artist, really had me writing one song a week, like it was a, a boot camp for artists. Um, and so that's how I moved to Nashville. And then two years after that, I met my husband and mm-hmm. um, he is a Tennessee native, grew up on a farm, 200 acre farm here. So I'm here to stay now. Oh. Well, I have a question about your heritage and growing up. So growing up like that, so you were in a, was it a Spanish church? Was it a bilingual church that you were in? It was a bilingual church. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. And I think there is, so my, my grandfather uh, had a Spanish church in Greeley, Colorado. And it was the same way. It was, they were very, he was very much about meeting the needs of the people in the community. I think uh, we have lost that as middle America. Mm-hmm. I think you're right. Like, I, I think, you know, these next generations, they kind of just take for granted um, God's goodness, I guess is mm-hmm. the best way to say it. So that's interesting. Um, the bilingual churches, I remember very well. I, I don't speak Spanish, but I remember all of the songs in Spanish. <laughs> Who doesn't remember the Coritos? Yeah. <laughs> yes, that's what they call them. Yeah. Yeah, my mom gets excited about that and she still sings them to us. So, <laughs> <laughs> so Nashville, so tell us um, kind of your experience with music and really what's your passion behind it? And did you come from a family of musicians? 
Yeah. So my, my dad is a songwriter mm-hmm. and uh, aside from being a pastor, he's always been a songwriter. He plays three or four instruments. Um, and so, uh, and I come from a very musical family, even outside of that, the, our core family group. Um, I started piano when I was 11 and I, I sort of felt like I had found my home. Mm-hmm. Like, uh, I think music gives, if you, if you're a child or if you have a, a bent towards music, I think it's a language Absolutely. and I think it gives a person the ability to say things and to work things out in their life that they don't have the ability to say any other way. Mm, That's Um, beautiful. And so when I was 11, I was really awkward. I grew up extremely overweight and just not, I I always felt like I don't, I didn't fit, you know, like I didn't belong. And um, when I found music, it felt like a, it felt like my home. And so I remember just sitting at the piano, just me and God and, that that was really the birthplace of you know like david david was out in the pastures yeah. you know shepherding the sheep that was my pasture i mm. uh, i learned who god was as i sat at that piano and played i felt his his presence i felt his pleasure in in the in just me living into like the design that he had on my life and it was for me that was the beginning of everything that has eventually you know been the overflow out of my life it started just in the intimacy of me and the piano that's still where i write my songs now it's wow. just me and the piano wow so so i've got four albums um and then we're working on new music right now um and my heart with it is to always have that spirit to protect the origin of where all those things were born. Mm-hmm. Like before I write songs for anyone else, they're for me and God. Mm-hmm. And it flows out of the relationship. I've always believed that everything good in our life, it flows out of our relationship with God and with people. Mm-hmm. Um, I've always been a relationship first person in that way. Um, it's, it's a, it is an overflow out of the abundance of the relationship. So I don't know if that answers your question, no, but yeah. What, so what is the story behind your song coming back to life? Ooh, um, it's a lot to y'all. Um, <laughs> we got a little bit we of could time. do a two-parter. <laughs> we got a little bit of time. <laughs> so like one of my favorite scriptures has always been Ecclesiastes three, because I just love that God and like he inserted in his word, one chapter that literally encompasses every single thing that could possibly happen to you in life. Like there's a time to plant, a time to uproot, the time to to hold on. There's just a series in that chapter of every season that you could live through. And then it says at the very end, like God has set eternity in our hearts. And so we're sort of all in this experience that we call life and and, and it's post Eden, right? Like it's after the fall and we're subject to the things that come with living in a homesick and in a broken world. And so how do we embrace the seasons that God 
has made a part of our lives. Um, sometimes I feel like the question isn't, what do I do with this right now? It's, it's how do I, how do I move through the season? Because mm-hmm. um, Ecclesiastes also says, you know, that there is an ordained time, like that ordained means fixed by someone else. Someone there are else, seasons yeah. in our lives and we, I think, do a lot of damage to our hearts when we try to hold on to old seasons. Mm-hmm. And so the story behind that song oh, was, I, w- I was trying to hold on to an old season mm-hmm. and, um, and God had made it extremely clear to me that it was done. And, um, I think that, that the, the reason why we do that sometimes is because we're scared. Mm-hmm. Um, we're scared of going to the new thing because what if it isn't as good as the old thing? Like it's, it's that classic, like, I can't let go because I don't know what's next. Mm, yeah. And God had just um, really, really allowed that, that season to die in my life. And the word that he gave me was like, you know, death comes before resurrection. Mm-hmm. And always, like we see that in the seasons, like winter always, 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 always turns to spring. It's just a matter of time. Can we cooperate with the seasons to allow them to do their work in us is the question. Yeah. You know, can I move through it? Can I yeah. allow yeah. myself to to not cope, to not um, stuff it, but to actually ask the right questions and grieve with the Lord? I remember in that season, he told me, I just kept on waiting for a word. Like, God, give me anything. <laughs> yeah, haven't we all been anything. there? <laughs> I'll take anything. And he just said, you need to grieve this. And it was the greatest gift, you know, to me to just go, the tears are not just necessary. They're, they're part of your healing. Like they're not just a physical necessity. They are part of the inner emotional healing that will move you through the season. So, um, coming back to life kind of, it, it just came out of my grief in in the same way and in the same breath my hope that if god was going to take something away from me he was going to resurrect something like he something new was going to be born and i think we find ourselves a lot of the time in the second day between the death and the resurrection Mm -hmm. it's in that middle part that that it's so hard when we can't see the goodness like that god has for us and so that it's song so I wrote tender, right? It's yeah, it's tender um, little in between. I when you were talking, it reminds me of when you were saying winter and spring. There's always that little bud that starts to pop up on a dead tree, right? Mm-hmm. <laughs> and you go, oh, it's kind of like the analogy of the mustard seed of faith, where there's always like you're in that in between, but there's that little tiny thing that's going to spark up something new. Yeah. And I also, I, I love where you, you were talking about grief. And I think a lot of times people don't embrace grief. And so then it's delayed grief, which then is just so not good for our souls, right? Like we just want to press through it and not feel any of it. And I think society has told us, well, you'll be fine. You know, read a few scriptures, read a couple motivational books and you're good but we're delaying all of this stuff that God really wants to bring to the surface. And 
the cleansing. Your heart needs that grieving. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, It's important. It's healthy coping. Yeah. Yeah. It doesn't feel great, but it's necessary. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. Well, and I think, you know, I can speak from, you know, having lost children. I know for a fact, my grief was delayed and it wasn't until just recently that I've been able to kind of process it all. And it's been almost 19 years for me. Mm -hmm. And it's like, just now, like I'm really starting to think, gosh, that really did affect me in a weird way. But in the, in the season that I was in, I was just like, we're going to move forward. I'm going to be fine. God's got this, which he did, (laughs) but I didn't process it, which was not a good place to be. So I love, I just absolutely, I love that song, by the way. Like I, I told you when we were talking before, I literally bald tears when I watch the video. People mm-hmm. go watch the video because it's amazing. It's such a beautiful It's like Tanya says that music is a language. Yeah. I love that. Because I think it does touch people. I think people, you know, um, you're either that person that like feels music or you don't. Mm-hmm. And if you feel music, like you feel the emotion behind the words, which and then I always tell Rhonda, like for me, <clears throat> worship songs is kind of like a secondary prayer time for me. That's when I feel most connected. God is when I can float into that space, right? Of just, right. Mm-hmm. yeah, everything. And it just does something for me um, more than anything else is that. So I love that you said that. Yeah. And lyrics are super important for me too. I mean, I... Um, you know, lead worship at my church. And, and I, when I pick a song, I, I want to, I comb through the lyrics because I'm like, I want to know what the song is really about. I'm looking, I'm always Googling, like, why, why was this song written? (laughs) You know, because I want to know what the meaning behind it was. And so, yeah, music, I don't know, music just elevates me to another level. I love music. So definitely have that in common. Um, so tell us a little bit about redeeming story retreats. I, this is a super exciting thing that I think you're doing and I'm excited to hear about it. It's my heart right now. (laughs) I mean, I I am making the music right now, but, um, music is a very solitary, you know, endeavor. Mm -hmm. Um, you write songs alone, you travel alone. Um, so redeeming the story retreats were born out of it's funny because the Lord put it in my heart February, early February of last year. Mm-hmm. And so it was before, right before everything shut down. Mm-hmm. And um, I woke up one morning and literally in my heart, I heard redeeming the story. And I put up something that morning on my Instagram stories. And by the end of the day, it was full. Like I had a full October retreat. And um in less than like a 12 hour period. And so I thought, okay, God, you might be in this. Um, but then when the pandemic happened, I just thought I might've heard wrong. And so <laughs> from March to September, I was just praying and I, I had no idea what, what God was going to do. And uh, I sent out a survey to the October participants and they were like, no, we want to do this. We want to do this. Mm-hmm. So October, we had our first one and it's, it's a two day um, really uh, it's hard to explain. It's a two day retreat with a very intimate group of women, um, mm-hmm. very intentionally small on purpose, because mm-hmm. I don't think that we can really open up 
um, with one another, when, when you get beyond a certain number, yeah. it, it's, it starts to feel less safe. So it's an extremely safe environment. Um, we always provide an environment where the backdrop is the wonder of God's creation. Cause that is so, so important. Um, God is to be experienced in his word through his spirit, through his people, but also through the things that he has made. Romans tells us his invisible qualities are made known through his creation Mm -hmm. so that no man is, you know, we don't have an excuse not to see him at every moment of the day he's there. So we're just sort of set in this experience where we're immersed in wonder. And um, we, we take two days to really mine the meaning from the stories that God has given us here. And um, it is one of the most holiest experiences that probably the holiest thing that I've ever been a part of to see the, the work that God does between those women through his spirit. We have worship, we have good food. Mm -hmm. um, We connect and there are new friendships that have been coming out of that new partnerships. Um, Some people have gone like, to, 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 to apply for college and they're in school now, like life changing stuff that happens as a result of the awakening. I think that the spirit of God does, because when you have a whole heart, when you have, when God has healed, it's it's our wounds. A lot of the times that are our limiting beliefs, Mm. you know, it's our wounds. It's the, the stories that we tell ourselves about who we are that limit us, that keep us here when God has something up here for us. And so we can deal with those things. Um, It's almost like something is unclogged and we see people leaving and they're starting new businesses and they're going back to school and they're healing relationships. And God has awakened them to a new chapter in their lives. Um, So we're small on purpose, but the, the work that happens there is unbelievable. Uh, We had another one in January and we'll have another one in April, um, which is full. And then we'll have another in July and another in November. So So what is the limit, Tanya, that you have? So we'll have no more than than 13 or 14 people at a time. And usually I try to air more like around the the 12 mark just because it is truly life changing the things that God reveals there. And there needs to be safety to be able to process and talk through that. Yeah. And you know, it's interesting because story work was something that I was introduced to through Carrie. um, Yes. I love her. And I will say that the more um, I listened to her do story work, you know, she did a, a thing last night with the power and the plot twist. Last night I was laying in bed and I started to think about something that happened to me in fifth grade. Mm. and how it related to the way that I lead my life on a daily basis. And I had never thought this this incident from the fifth grade playground had anything to do with the way that I process information now. And so Mm -hmm. it is really freeing when you're able to kind of finally dig into your story and see where, where some of the, that pain lies that you thought Mm -hmm. isn't really that important. Yeah. It's so pivotal. Uh, mm-hmm. I've heard many people just say that like, it's, it's interesting because I, I'm, I'm so grateful for people like Carrie and Dan Allender mm-hmm. and so many people that are stepping into leadership roles in the church capital C so that we can start to go beyond salvation and beyond discipleship. 
into really priming people for their potential in the kingdom and just as people um, to be wholehearted because there is more beyond uh, beyond the the entry point of salvation beyond the you know and and I'm not trying to minimize discipleship discipleship is walking with Jesus on a daily basis but in order for us to to be um, spiritually mature uh, and a Peter Scassero teaches this in, in order to be spiritually mature, you have to be emotionally healed. Mm. And they're, they're just absolutely connected. Um, that's why we see people who may have very religious, um, ideals and customs, but they can be really difficult people to be around. Yeah there's a disconnect yeah. and, you know, emotional healing, inner healing is the connection because when we live from the approval of God, from our beloved, belovedness in God, we don't compete. We don't strive. Right. You know, we don't hurt other people. Like there's a wholeness there that we live from as opposed to, you know, well, knowing the word, but not really applying it to our wounds and applying right. it to our, the, the really fractured parts of our stories. Yeah, that's really good because you say that applying it to their own wounds. So I find that a lot of um, churches, the the staff and the pastors and things like that, they're they're pouring out, but like they haven't healed the things Mm -hmm. with them. And so they're not applying it to their own wounds, which I think is so important to heal those things first and then be able to be 100 percent like ready to take on the huge problems and issues of other church members. Cause it's like hard to do that. I can't imagine having to do that and carry that. And then you're still, your behaviors are affecting the way you feel when those people are coming towards you. Absolutely. And we see it all the time, you know, um, that's why I'm glad that we're having these conversations because I think there's a, there needs the stigma that comes with you know, unhealed wounds needs to be removed. Like if you have a beating heart, (laughs) you have unhealed wounds, like, and you've got, there's a process to even maintain your, your healing. You know, we, we, we teach at the, at the retreat that, that we need to deal with our wounds Mm -hmm. early Mm -hmm. before they turn into bitterness and resentment Mm -hmm. and hatred and mm-hmm. arrogance and pride. There's there's a there's a, a trajectory that unhealed wounds travel and the heart when they're not dealt with. And so I think there just needs to be more conversation mm-hmm. and more education. And it takes many many voices in many different places in the world to to start a movement and an awakening in this area that we mm-hmm. can. God does offer us more. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And it requires our participation yeah, and, uh, and daily too, because mm-hmm. it's not like a one and done, right? Absolutely. It's a process. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. Yeah. And you go, you do cycle here and there. I remember just feeling so guilty about working through something and then feeling angry about it and then giving myself grace to be like, it's okay to be angry about the fact that you didn't do that right. You know, it's because it is a process, but mm-hmm. I think too, like growing up in church for me, it was very much that I had this expectation of who I needed to be. And so it did not make it easy for wounds to heal. Um, and we, and I do think that if you've grown up in church or a traditional, you know, a lot of times people don't want to talk about it 
or they'll say, I'm fine, I dealt with it. And so I think this new narrative that we're having with churches moving forward is is so great because I think the church, Phyllis and I were just talking about this the other day, it has to, we have to change the way we're doing church. It cannot 100%. stay the same way it was. It cannot. And I am bound and we are both bound and determined to like make sure that it doesn't continue this way, that we hold space for people and that we hear their hearts and, you know, walk through them through the pain. Cause you were saying like bitterness and resentment, those things, I mean, the, you know, your soil has to be good, right? Because if it's not, you're going to sprout up thorns and you're just going to get everybody caught and entangled in those. And so I'm just, I mean, I love what you're doing. I think story work is so important and amazing as you journey through your process of life. And we're definitely a different offering than anything that, you know, and I think that's the beauty of the church is that Mm -hmm. when God deposits something in your, your spirit, it's going to look different than what he deposits in other people. And it will be for other people, you know, for different people. So there are some surprises in our retreats that I can't talk about. (laughs) That are more more experiential surprises that are really, really beautiful experiences for Mm -hmm. people. But um, more of on the experience side of things, but, um, yeah, we, we're, there's a community rising up out of that, of women who they want to tell their story in the spirit mm-hmm. of the, the Psalm that says, let the redeemed of the Lord tell their story. Those he rescued from the hand of the foe. Once God has done something monumental in your life, the whole point is to talk about it because yeah. there's no way that he can get the glory if we stay silent. Mm. God so cannot true. get the yeah, he God will not get the glory for the miracles and the, the mountains that he moves that we stay silent about. Yeah. Yeah. Um wow. it gives them permission to to speak and to use their voice. There's so many women that are so gifted and so called and so uh, with so much potential and they just need a community yeah. to, to help them understand what that looks like to travel from, you know, victim to victor, yeah. you know? Mm-hmm. Yeah, That's absolutely. Good. Oh my gosh. Oh, so much good stuff. Well, we do have one last question for you and it's our favorite question. What would you tell your 22 year old self? <laughs> <laughs> I love this question. <laughs> and oh, laughter man. all around. Yeah. <laughs> we know you were in Nashville. <laughs> yeah. Oh, I know what I would say. Um, and I think this probably has applications to to whatever to to 22 year olds wherever they are and whatever they're doing. Um, I would say that uh that God's advice is the best advice Mm. because I got so much counsel when I moved here and so many rules. Like if you want to be successful, you have to be this. If you want to do this, you have to do this. And none of that was true Mm. because God's advice like is timeless. And we think in our arrogance, I think when we're a little bit younger, we're just like, well, now that I'm here, I'm going <laughs> to, I'm, I'm going to like rewrite the rules or whatever. And no, like the ancient power of the, the God breathed words are, are so timeless and ageless. And all that I needed at 22 was to have a relationship first mentality. Mm. And to go 
into my sanctum with God and to develop that relationship because all of the power and all of the potential and all of the relevance that I so longed for at that age was not in a book, in a, in a business relationship. It was in, it was behind closed doors with God. Mm-hmm. And I really, really wish that someone just sat me down and looked me in the eye and just taken me by the shoulders and really convinced me of that. Cause I wasted so much time trying the other things and just striving and trying to be beautiful and like all American and like have big, you know, big resumes on none of that mattered. <laughs> yeah. None of it mattered because what, what God, when God is behind someone's heart and mission and work, none of that stuff matters. Yeah. The anointing, the power of God, the presence of God, it flows out of the relationship that you have with him, not the resume. That's what I would say. Oh my goodness. That was, that was beautiful. Um, thank you so much for being on with us today. And we need to know where they can find you on social media, where they can connect with you. Yep. I am um, on Instagram at Tanya Gotsey. Tanya is T-A-N-Y-A-G-O-D-S-E-Y. But really they can just hit my website up. Everything's there. TanyaGotsey.com. Um, redeeming the story now has a little Instagram page and a website too. And we're at beamingthestory.org. So, well, thank you so much for joining us today. And thank you 24 Carat Tribe for joining us. Make sure to follow us on our Facebook page at 24 Carat Conversations. And until next time, friends, sparkle on. Bye. Bye.